Welcome to the Confident Parent Podcast, where we want you to feel confident in raising kids who have a thriving relationship with Jesus. I'm Joshua Humpa, the children's pastor at Discover Church and father of three spectacular kids with my wife, Stephanie. In this episode, we interview Martine Castro and learn how to help our kids conquer anxiety and to help you feel like you got this. What's up, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of the Confident Parent Podcast. Oh boy, we have a very special guest for a very special topic today, Martine Castro. Hey everyone, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Dude, I am so grateful. We have been trying to do this. This podcast is a little bit later than normal posting because we've been going back and forth trying to get together to do this one. Yeah. We talked about this a few months ago? We did. Yeah, and I, I think this? it's been a conversation you and I have had for quite some time. Yeah. Maybe even on, on the topic of years, right? Like time frame. We've yeah. been talking about it for, for a while. And so I told Martina I wanted to interview him because I really appreciate his brain and him as a person. He is just the best. And he's got a lot of experience with this. And we're talking about anxiety and helping you help your child conquer anxiety. Yeah. Fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It so, is deep stuff. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Your name is Martine. Yeah, my name is Martine. I'm married to my wife, Katie. Um, We've been married for 15 years. We have three children. We have Oliver, who's a fifth grader. We have Charlotte, who's a fourth grader. And we have Etta, who is a first grader. All three kids are incredible. I'm going to brag on Oliver for just a second. Let's hear it. We're doing this thing called the Bow Challenge at church, which is encouraging kids to read the whole Bible in a year because Bow, the kid named Bow, did that last year. The Action Bible, which is like a comic book Bible. He read the whole thing in like three months, and so we challenged the kids this year to do it. Oliver did it. He finished the whole thing. He did. And then, to one-up everybody, he's doing it again. He's doing it again. (laughs) He's reading the whole Bible twice in one year. Dude, if that is not a testament to you and Katie and how great you guys are as parents, I don't know what is. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, too, when I think about our kids, we want to make sure that we're raising them, right? And we want to make sure that we're raising them in the the Word. Yeah. Um, So that's really encouraging to to hear. That he's doing it like he wants to do it. He does. He does. Yeah, it's not something we're like, hey, go read your Bible. (laughs) Um, He he just does it. That's good. That's great. Also, tell us about your career path. Yeah, my career path. So let's see. Should I start where I'm at now or should I work from the beginning? Whatever you think is best. All right, we'll work from backwards. So currently I serve as a principal, an elementary principal. I'm an elementary principal in a surrounding school district. Prior to that, I was an associate principal in the exact same school district. So I have about 900 students in my school. Nice. It's K-4 through 5th grade. I have over 120 staff members in my building. It's a lot. Yes, it's a big school, but I love it. I love that I'm taking kind of that next step in my career, yeah. uh, really to lead adults, helping them to lead the kids that we serve in our community. Yeah. Uh, prior to that, I served as a elementary counselor, actually in the Oak Creek School District. I did that for seven years. So I was a counselor for seven years in elementary school. And then prior to that, I spent five years in a residential treatment center as a lead counselor. I didn't know that. Uh, Yep, yep. So I did that. We had uh, children between the ages of five and 17. Wow. And they were all, they all lived there. So, Hmm. yeah. Lived there? Yep. Wow. So that's my career path. This is why I thought Martin was just going to be so perfect for this, (laughs) because he is, he's a smart guy, and he's really good at helping people. So why we chose anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um... I started to see at church uh, an uptick since COVID, since coming back, with kids dealing with anxiety yep. to the point of where there's so much 
fear, so much of that worry, mm-hmm. even just coming to church, even just to come into the elementary area or preschool area. Yep. Uh, that, that's always happened with babies and like one and two year olds. But this is uptick that just more kids than normal, just this just burden inside to even come to church or to deal with school. You know, and so I talked to you about it, and you saw an uptick as well. Yeah, we definitely have. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of research out there, and there's a lot of statistics. You know, um, when you think of anxiety, sometimes you think of something as small as a little worry, right? And that's an element of it. Yeah. Um, but then you see the increase of it to where it's like that extreme anxiety where um, you have a parent hanging on to their child's leg at, in the lobby, not wanting to let them go because they're... Uh, fearful that they're not going to see them again. Right. So we've seen a definite definite uptick um, in that as well within schools. Yeah, I mean, you told me some crazy stories of like extreme anxiety that you've seen at the schools. Yeah. And so we, we were talking about it, just how to help kids because each each person, each scenario is different. Like, there's yeah. not like a cookie cutter. It's not a cookie cutter approach to it. There's not a yeah. cookie cutter response to it. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody um, everybody essentially reacts to it differently. Right. Out, outwardly, from a behavioral standpoint, they react to it differently, internalizing it differently. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks different for everyone. Yeah. So I was talking with Martine and trying to get some wisdom on, like, what to do. <laughs> like, because yeah. honestly, believe it or not, I don't know everything. <laughs> I know Surprise. some things, but yeah. not everything. And this was an area I felt like, man, I just, I've tried everything that I, that I know how to do, and I feel at a loss. Yeah. Like, I don't know what to do. And um, so we talked about some things, and yep. um, and then I was like, "Dude, we need to record this. Let's do it." <laughs> we need That's to get this. We were like saying, "Let's do." It. Yeah, we need to get this to parents and help them because it's affecting kids and families from enjoying their life. Yeah, right, and being who God has created them to be. Yep. And so. That's what we wanted to do. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you gave us this book, which we're going to get to in just a second, and this yes, was such yeah. a great guide for us. But there is a statistic in the book. They said that um, it's like 9.6%. It could be off by a little bit, but yep. it's close to that. 9.6% of kids deal with anxiety, but that was from a study from 2017 to 2019. Yep. So that was before COVID. Yeah. So I bet that number has skyrocketed. Yeah, I was actually looking last night just mm-hmm. trying to see if there's any updated statistics. Um, and from the last one that I saw, they didn't have a specific number, but it was somewhere in the 20% that there's been an uptick in it's insane in anxiety and reported anxiety. Yep. It's wild. Yeah. Yeah. And so if, you, if your child is going through that, you're not alone is the point of that, right? Yeah, absolutely. And there's hope as well. There's hope to deal with this. There is hope. So, um, you know, we believe that the Bible has something to say about everything. That it does. The Bible is its the word of God, and it's got the answers to life. And so the biblical response to anxiety mm-hmm. um, is that God created our emotions. I have a poster on my right here. If you're watching this, you can see it if you're listening. It's in my office on my wall from Inside Out, which is one of my favorite movies. You've seen that movie? We've seen it plenty of times. <laughs> it's so good. Yes, it is. One of the reasons that I love it is because it just is a really – it's a perfect illustration of what our emotions are like, yep. right? That you are created by God with these emotions, including fear. Yeah. That God created us with fear. Why did he do that? <laughs> Why did he make us fearful? To protect you, dummy, so yeah. that, you're, <laughs> that you're not standing by the side of a cliff and just like have no concern about it, yep. right? The fear is to protect you. But anxiety is fear and hyperdrive, mm-hmm. right? Anxiety is fear 
running the show of your life yeah out of balance absolutely yeah when i when i think of what you just said there about you know you created us with it and you think of that fight or flight response that we have which is intended for if you're in a dangerous situation that your body can actually respond uh, to that dangerous situation so yeah there's there's a healthy element of of that feeling of lack of better word, fear or that anxiousness, it, it can be real healthy. There's elements of it, but it's really about how do you manage it so it doesn't overwhelm you to where you are just frozen and you can't respond. Right. Um, I think with that too, I mean, there's a healthy element of having some type of anxiety as you perform a task, right? So whether that's achieving in school academically, um, you have that to help you because if you don't have it, you're not going to put in the work to to be prepared for right. what you're going to be doing. Right. So there's a healthy element of it. That's a great That's a great way to look at it. Yeah. Billy Graham, what a guy. He said, at its best, anxiety distracts us from our relationship with God and the truth that he is Lord of heaven and earth. Wow. Oh, yeah. So when anxiety, you know, it's at its minimum, but it's there. It can distract you from God's in control, yeah. right? And that worry part. And then he says, at its worst, anxiety is a crippling disease taking over our minds and plunging our thoughts into darkness. Yeah. And that's the trap of anxiety, yeah, how the is. enemy uses it. So scriptures, there's a lot There's a lot in scripture about it. Um, so Paul, he wrote, don't be anxious about anything. Don't have anxiety about anything. Okay? <laughs> All right? But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with Thanksgiving, it's right before Thanksgiving as we're recording this, yeah. present your requests to God. Mm-hmm. So I looked it up, you know, because I don't know Greek, right? But <laughs> Philippians is written in Greek. Looked up anxious, like, did he actually use the word anxious? And he did. The Greek word is miramni. No. Merimamna. That's better than I can say. Something like that. It's the Greek word, but really it is. It's it's divided into parts, you know, as opposed to the whole, and it's drawn in opposite directions. It's anxiety being pulled in so many, like, you you have a path, but you're pulled in opposite ways to go. Mm -hmm. So that's what Paul is saying. And then he, Paul also writes Timothy, 2 Timothy 1.7. He says, For God hath not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Mm. You know, there's other other translations that say self-discipline. Yeah. And we're going to learn part of conquering anxiety is self-discipline. Oh, yeah. It's a... It's a- the, the road to recovery, essentially, if you want to say, or overcoming or learning how to tolerate, yep. um, it's a hard one, right? It's not it's not something that's just simple. It's not just a, I do this once and poof, gone. Right. Um, so right. there's definitely, there's work that needs to be done to yeah. be able to conquer it. So scripture, man, it's got a yeah. lot to say about it. God is very clear that if you're suffering with anxiety, if it's gripping you, the Lord wants to set you free. Right, yep. and God has created us with physical bodies. There's a, absolutely a spiritual world, a spiritual part of us as well, mm-hmm. and there is spiritual components to this. Oh yeah, but there's also a brain with chemicals <laughs> and like a natural side of it, and we have to make physical choices and decisions and determinations with our mind. Yeah, uh, and so we're talking about both sides here. Yeah, we are. It's um, so I, I like to kind of lay some groundwork, like an operational definition of anxiety per se, mm-hmm. um, because essentially it's it's that emotion that we have internally. However, we as a society needed to construct what does that actually mean. Yeah. Um, so I actually have just the definition out of the American Psychological Association, which says that it is an emotion uh, characterized by that feelings of tension, worried thought, and physical changes such as like. Um, higher blood pressure, higher heart rate, uh, sweating, those type of things. Yeah. Um, 
but essentially it, it's that that strong feeling that like you said overwhelms you to a point where you can't move forward right. in whatever the context or situation that you're trying to work through yeah yeah and adults it's always been a part of our lives yep right yep. but the thing that's been wild is even more so with our kids now yeah and so that's why we really want to talk about this yeah. so um, talking through with Martine um, we came to this book um, if you're listening it's called Anxiety Relief for Kids and it's written by Bridget Flynn Walker which is a PhD yes she is an expert she knows her stuff so this was a very, very good book. And one of the reasons I really enjoyed it was because I feel like the process and steps, although it's not a Christian book, it's a very research, yep. scientific-based book. That it is. Um, boy, it really aligns with Scripture. Mm-hmm. And the point of the book is to help your child conquer fear. Yeah. That there's a healthy part of living with it, but ultimately it's not to, you know, like, okay, we're going to prolong this thing or shield our children. The goal of this book and the steps in it are to help conquer here. So yeah. how did you find this book? Tell us yeah, about it. so I was just, once we had the conversation, um, and like I mentioned to you earlier, anxiety is a heavy topic, mm-hmm. um, and it's one that's not always easily understood. And so for me, mm-hmm. it was really a matter of, I wanted to make sure that we had a framework to kind of work through it in such a way that it's, um, that people can understand it, and it can be articulated that anybody that picks it up or hears it could say, Oh, that's practical. Right. I could do that. Um, so yeah, it's it's written in a very practical way. It's written to really support family members as they're working through um, anxiety with their own children. But the neat thing is, and I mentioned to you this earlier, is that even as I was reading it, I was like, oh, this is helpful. Yeah. Um, even as I was reading it, like, oh, we're going to go have this podcast, and there's going to be an element of anxiousness to that. What can I apply from that that's going to help me? Mm-hmm. Um, be prepared to be able to have that conversation. So yeah, it's written from a very practical standpoint. Um, yeah, and it gives a lot of good tips. So he gave me the book as a gift. I did. Thank you. You're welcome. And I started to read it, and I'm really bad at reading. <laughs> Not No, I'm really good at reading things, but just sitting down and taking the time to do it. Yep. I process things so much easier. I don't know if it's because I've trained myself to do this through through listening. Mm-hmm. And so I found the audiobook as well. And so I bought the audiobook. Yeah. And then I was like blazing through it, writing down notes as I'm re-listening to it and getting stuff done. And uh, so that's an option to recommend. If your child's dealing with this, this book is good. We're going to go through it. Yeah. We're going to talk through some of, this, some of the things that we learned and took away from the book. But I encourage you to listen to it, read it, um, whatever will be most helpful to you. It's, it's very good. Yeah, I actually did the exact same thing. So I bought the audio as well. <laughs> Um, so then I can just kind of follow along yeah. and really allow my thoughts to be, okay, what's coming from this tr- versus trying to process yeah. what's this, what's this, what's this. Yeah. I did the exact same thing. It was good. <laughs> so the main thesis of the book, mm-hmm. like the main, uh, the, uh, I guess like the technical term mm-hmm. for how to conquer anxiety is CBT. Yeah. Cognitive beha- Behavioral Therapy. Yep. Yep. CBT. Explain it to us. Yeah, yeah, I'll do the best I can. <laughs> um, yeah, so cognitive behavioral therapy, it's the most highly um, researched type of therapeutic approach um, when it comes to an effective approach when it comes to things such as anxiety. Yeah. Anxiety and depression, really. Uh, it's just some of the endorsements come from the National Institute of Mental Health. It comes from the Anxiety and Depression Association of America and the International OCD Foundation. So it's definitely scholarly backed. Um, As I was mentioning to you a little bit earlier is that CBT also has kind of branched into other elements within Mm -hmm. within the therapeutic approach. Uh, So CBT is really just an integration between 
like the title says, behavioral therapy and cognitive therapy. Um, And just to give you kind of just a little background behind that is behavioral therapy really focuses on that concrete behavior that either reinforces or extinguishes a emotional state. So an example of this would be maybe there's a, a situation with separation anxiety and the behavior, the concrete behavior that would be reinforcing that emotional state of not wanting to separate maybe something as as a parent will be like okay let's just go back home right that behavior that concrete behavior is now enforcing that emotional state that that individual is working through so it takes that concept and then layers in the cognitive approach which is really just the it centers on those thought patterns and is concerned with identifying modifying dysfunctional or irrational thinking that can maintain negative emotional states. So that's really looking at it from the lens of what are the thoughts, um, what are the assumptions, what are the beliefs I have within my mind that are causing me to behave this way. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So that's really it. And so the the central tendency of CBT is that um, if we learn how to change our dysfunctional uh, thinking and the behavior that reinforces that emotional state, right. we're going to feel better. It's it's relearning how to react to triggers, yep. which we'll get to, things that like make me feel that anxiety, learning how in our minds to deal with it so that our behavior changes. It's learning how to face the problems yeah. rather than avoid it. Absolutely. And, and actually with CBT, and we'll talk about in the book, is that um, exposure to it right. is going to be the most effective way. And as I mentioned earlier, the goal isn't to eliminate exi- anxiety. Right. It's getting to a point where you can tolerate it um, and manage it. Again, because fear is just a part of our lives. It is. We were created with fear. Yep. But it's learning how to manage it, learning how to think about it in the correct way instead of an irrational way. Yeah. Which, let's talk about that. Yeah. When trying to deal with, especially with children, adults as well, and you're trying to talk through in the moment of an anxiety meltdown mm-hmm. is adults we're trying to talk to a child and we try to rationalize with the child and like yeah. there's nothing to be afraid of like these are all of your friends like yep. or, or or this dog it's not gonna bite you this dog is tiny like yep. this is not gonna do anything um what i've learned through this book and through going to seminars and stuff and trying to learn more about stuff is that we can't speak rationally to someone that's going through anxiety moments yeah. because their body is is reacting yep. irrationally yeah you can't speak rationally to it there is like a meltdown. There's like a glass or like a wall there. Yeah. Um, and so part of this is learning. You, you have to have the conversations outside of those moments. Yeah. Prep and be beforehand stuff. Yep, absolutely. So she, um, Dr. Walker really kind of walks through a toolkit, essentially, that um, as you're working through it, it can't, like you said, it can't be done in the moment. Mm-hmm. Because in the moment, it's really trying to help them um really kind of re-regulate or self-regulate, right. not trying to say, hey, this is irrational. Um, <laughs> Which it is. It's, yeah, right? it's, yeah, absolutely, it is. So, for example, we'll go back to, we'll keep going back to separation anxiety because I think that's a very common one that we see yeah. in both of our settings at church and at schools. Um, that that thought for the child may be, my parent's going to go, I'm never going to see him again. Right. Um, Obviously, there's circumstances that happen, and that would be that could happen. traumatic. Yes, but, but the chances of but it the chances are very of it, yeah. Unhealthy. So it's really like it's an irrational uh, thought pattern. Mm-hmm. So trying to break that in the moment, 
not gonna not gonna do it in the moment it's not gonna break it's not gonna break and it's really comes to a point where in the moment you're trying a lot of different strategies just mm-hmm. to try to help that child self-regulate so that's where it's really trying to use self-regulation strategies such right. as you know your deep breaths to control the heart rate getting a cold drink of water to kind of yeah. cool your body so, so when I talk about that real quick yeah. because in those moments it feels like well, well what do I do then mm-hmm. <laughs> how do I like you can't just not deal with this. You can't just not go to school. Yep. You can't go, just not go to church. And so breathing really is, I've, even with kids here, we've learned that giving deep breaths and trying to calm the body yeah. is the best like first tool. Yeah, it definitely is because it actually is a physiological response to mm-hmm. controlling the heart rate. Um, and, and that's one of the components we'll talk about with um, exposure is yeah. trying to actually create in um, – almost simulate that type of accelerated heart rate so that then they learn how to then self-regulate through it. So yeah, that's that's probably one of the most effective strategies. Into um, the nose, yep, into the mouth. Yep, and it's the go-to too, right? Yep. I think it's the go-to. And, and you see it. You can physically, if you watch someone processing through that, mm-hmm. you can physically see them, their body just kind of right. calming down. So. We know, always encourage you as well. You know that we're physical and we're spiritual. Mm-hmm. And even though this is a physical reaction, once the breathing has happened, right? Get, get his yep. deep breathing. Yep. Pray for the situation. Absolutely. Ask, ask for the Lord yep. to send his heavenly peace. I mean, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Yeah. And so pray for that um, and ask for the Lord to do a miracle. Yeah, no, I, and I, I definitely want to uh, kind of piggy off of that as well. I even think of as adults as we're working through anxious moments for ourselves because it's physiological response for all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a great strategy, right? So as I was even preparing for this this morning, it's like, oh, okay, I'm feeling a little anxious. Oh, you right? were? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, whenever you're doing something like this. So for me, it, it's a healthy component to it. Yeah. Once I got myself to a moment of calm, then it that was my next thing. Boom, I'm going to jump into this and I'm going to give it up to the Lord. I'm going to, I'm going to pray about it and just ask for that wisdom, that guidance as we process through it. And then just that feeling is just like, Oh, there, there's that peace. Yeah. There's that peace. We want peace. Yep. Right. That we want. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to read, um, just a few quotes from the kind of beginning of the book that says the whole thing. It feels like we're really building this thing up, but it's like, you almost like have to build it up and then it's like, boom, like a ladder of things, ladder, which we'll get to as you get through. Yep. So, Something that she says is a child who learns to tolerate some degree of anxiety is less likely to fear it and therefore less likely to experience spikes in anxiety than the one who is trying to unsuccessfully eliminate all anxiety. Yeah. Point being, there's going to be some of it in there. And rather than fear reduction, this is a big, big part to this. Rather than fear reduction, so that emotion that we feel like just like squashing that emotion and eliminating the fear emotion during exposures, like during these scary moments. Mm -hmm. We're going to focus on the mismatch of what our child expects to happen, mm-hmm. the feared consequence. Like they're worried that I'm never going to see my parents again. They're going to die and they're gone, mm-hmm. right? That that unexpected, un- irrational consequence versus what's actually going to happen. Yeah. The idea is to train the cognitive brain to think yep. instead of focusing so much on this possibility of something like crazy, focus on what's actually going to happen right in front of me. And yeah. the steps I can take right now. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know more than you thought you knew about this. Well done. Well, it's because I wrote down <laughs> notes. <laughs> yeah. This book is very good. <clears throat> and the I felt like the main line of what she was writing down and like, oh, this is so good. I'm going to use this. I'm going to use this because mm-hmm. this is such a great thing. Yep. As parents, we want to protect our kids. We don't want our, our kids to go through hard times. Yeah. We, I, I don't, it's like I don't want my kids to 
have to suffer through anything. <laughs> I want them to have a good life, right? Yeah. I don't want them to have to deal with junk, yeah. whether it's people or their own issues or issues that I'm causing within them. Yeah. And so what she wrote in the book is instead of trying to shield our kids or avoid the stuff, what we want to instill within our children is stronger, resilient, mentally flexible people. Ooh, Ooh man. Yes. And she kept going back to that. And I thought, that's it. Mm-hmm. We want to conquer anxiety because we want stronger, resilient, mentally flexible people. Yeah. Children. Yep. Yeah, and a that's lot of times, want for your kids. Yeah, that's what we. That's ultimately, as a parent, that's what we want. Um, and I think she also, actually, right before that, she says the goal isn't to uh, keep my child safe. Like, yes, that's an element of it. Right. We want our children to be safe, but like you said, it's that resilient, flexible um, child that no matter where they go, they can conquer things. And really, in the beginning of the book, even earlier, they talk about how anxiety, um, if untreated and left untreated, is actually a precursor to other um, mental health that may come up, whether that's out of control. depression, whether mm-hmm. that's substance abuse. So yeah, it's really trying to get them to a place where they're resilient, um, which kids are. So yep. as parents, helping them be resilient and not uh, feeding into it, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. Yeah. We want to conquer it. We want to conquer it. We want to conquer it. Okay. So let's get into the nitty gritty. How then... Do we deal with anxiety with our kids, right? We got this this cool like concept, CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. <laughs> yeah. We want our kids to be resilient, strong-minded, flexible. All right, so <laughs> the process. The process. <laughs> process. Yeah. Yep. It's a process. One of the tricks that she gave is, um, and I don't know if this works for every kid, but maybe this will work for your kid, is to nickname the moment, right? The anxiety. So let's give the example of church. Mm-hmm. Dropping your child off at church. They're going to drop them off in the elementary area. And as soon as they get to, like, the doors, this is where we see a lot with kids. They get to the doors, the indoors come in, and it just meltdown. Mm -hmm. Mental, physical, emotional meltdown and just can't function. Mm -hmm. One of the things she recommends is to nickname that moment, that fear. Yep. Yeah, no, absolutely. So she, she adds a few different, she calls it creating a toolkit. Right. essentially, which we'll kind of go through all of these. But really the whole purpose of naming that fear is to um, objectify it. So it's an object and it's really focused on um, being able to approach it and separate it from that emotional state. It makes um, it easier to talk about. It makes it easier to talk about. It makes it less threatening. Mm-hmm. Um, but the key to this is going through that prior to getting to the door. Right, because right. once right. again, when we're in that moment, it's now about self-regulation yeah. to be able to cross that threshold. So, really, the whole idea behind naming it is to um, create that 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 feeling of not fearing it mm-hmm. um, as it as it stands in that context. Mm-hmm. So. so, an example of a nickname could be you don't want to make it scary or or it just or it could be goofy or whatever, yeah. but. Let's say, for example, in the, coming in through the indoor to church, call it any. That sounds like any. Yeah. Right? Or, yeah. <laughs> or something yeah. like that. Yep. Yeah. So when you think about it, too, it, it triggers a moment of stopping. Um, like if you've pre-done this mm-hmm. uh, with your with your children, it really kind of re-triggers or simulates in the brain to say, oh, yeah, that's that feeling. Right. Like being able to connect it, that's what I'm feeling right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a nice trigger versus saying, why are you screaming? Why are you crying? You come here all the time. You're right. fine. Right. But if you pre-do some of that work ahead of time and you name it with them ahead of time, it's just that connection that kind of gets you to stop in the moment and be like, oh, that's what it is. Yeah. Um, it's kind of funny because uh, we went through a training within my school district 
where we talked about this concept of high brain and low brain and how we, when we're operating in this negativity, even naming it as, oh, am, I, am I in high brain or low brain right now? It causes you once, once again to just stop and be like, reflect, oh, that's what I'm in. And just acknowledging it. It's identifying mm-hmm. it, acknowledging it. Um, that's not necessarily going to solve it, but at least it's, it's one of those steps to start recognizing it. Yeah. Another part of the toolkit, mm-hmm. or Batman's tool belt. Oh, I like that one. Is um, you should you should write that. <laughs> write my own book called mm-hmm. Batman's Tool Belt. Um, is to have like a thermometer, mm-hmm. very similar to like children in the hospital, right? On a yep. scale of you know this angry face to mm-hmm. this face one through nine. Yeah. How how painful is this? Uh, identifying with a number, the anxiety severity yep. of your child. Yep. That they can look at the number and say, when I'm at the indoor of elementary, I'm feeling a nine. Everything is shutting down. When I'm walking into the church as a whole, I'm at a four. Yeah. When I'm getting in the car, I'm feeling a two, you know, and being able to identify the different moments. Yeah. How you feel in that thermometer. Yeah. So the thermometer, like you said, it's they use it in healthcare all the time to mm-hmm. kind of assess. Um, and there's not a right or wrong uh, number per se, right? right? Like I can't interpret how my child's feeling in a situation. Yes, I might be able to see and observe some signs, but I can't interpret what they're feeling internally. Mm-hmm. So it's really a, a way of being able to communicate um, and having some visual that you as the parent and as a child can really look at and say, okay, now I can see how big this is for you. Right. And like you were saying, you're just walking it back like at the door I'm a nine. Um, that's probably the trigger, right, in that moment. Yeah. But then uh, when we're at the church door, it's this. When we're in the car, it's this. Mm-hmm. So it's really just intended to be um, a way of communication, but also a way to really assess and collect data, per se, yeah. um, over a period of time to say, okay, where, where, are some of these, um, where are some of these anxious feelings occurring yeah. so that we can target some of them and really try to break this up into smaller pieces, which we'll talk about a little bit later with the ladder. Yeah. The visual that they gave that I thought was really helpful in trying to understand the big picture of this thing is picture your child's brain as a bowl of candy, Mm -hmm. a glass bowl of candy. And inside you have red M&Ms, you have green M&Ms. Yeah. Right? And so they're all bouncing around and stuff. Red M&Ms signify um, bad trigger moments, Mm -hmm. right? And bad associations with this thing. The bad cognitive thoughts that are irrational. Mm -hmm. So we're going to get dropped off at church and my dad's going to get hit by a car. Right or yeah, yeah. or my dad's gonna get eaten by a dinosaur yeah. or and all these <laughs> which may be right in their mind right it's so irrational right yeah absolutely green is actual real life positive things that are gonna happen yep. my dad's gonna come pick me up at the normal time mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> we're gonna go home we're gonna have lunch mm-hmm. all these things yep. Yep. the idea is to train your child's mind yep. to replace red M and M's with green M and M's that when a trigger moment happens. They start all of a sudden something happens and they feel it, right? They start to feel that moment. So this rattling in their brain, what naturally comes out, the first first M M&M that it grabs out of their brain, there's more green than there are red. Yeah. And so the chances of them thinking of a positive thing are more likely than a negative thing. Yep. So that was a great visual and helpful that this is what we're trying to create with the cognitive cognitive part of this therapy. Yeah, and um with the candy jar too, I mean it's really you can pick anything. Right, you can do a candy jar. You can do um, uh, a box. It, being creative sometimes is the best thing. Really yeah. trying to 
create it in such a way that your your child's kind of buy into the concept and understanding uh, what the representation is. Um, but some of those other positive things is, hey, I get to go and go into church and see my friends, right. Um, right? Or hey, I get to go into school and we have extra recess today. Yeah. And and if you think about it from a um, science standpoint point and a neurological standpoint. Our brains are pretty malleable, right? Like you can, there's that neuroplasticity. You can, you can really truly rewire, yep. um, but it takes it takes a while. And it's, therapy. it's really, yep, it's therapy. You have to build it up. You have to put enough green in there, and really so that, like you said, when you hit that moment, the greens are what you're pulling. The green thoughts are what you're pulling at, and you're not pulling at the red thoughts. Right. And once again, they'll talk about it a little bit later, but. Um, with those green thoughts, it's really trying to uh, almost like a soundtrack that you have in your head yeah. and trying to say, okay, does this thought have evidence to support this thought being in my head? Right. Right. So it's kind of that same concept uh, with the candy jar. Yeah. So we're going to talk about, okay, what are the actual steps then to help my kid get through this? Okay. You're talking about some like, some like ethereal ideas, right? But like, yeah. what are the steps? But before we even get to that, yep. <laughs> we're going to talk about like, the faults that often we as parents create for our kids and then also our, our kids can come in, right? So these are like the things to not do first. Yeah. There was two. There like were two. two main ones. Yeah, and it's actually interesting too because when we think of um, someone experiencing anxiety or going through an anxious moment, um, a lot of times we just think about that person and what they're going through. We're not really reflecting or thinking about what am I doing that might be causing this to occur too? But really they talked about those two main ones that they said that you have avoidance behaviors mm-hmm. um, and you have safety behaviors were kind of the main two ones yeah. that they referenced. So avoidance is, like it says, it's avoiding it, yep. avoiding the situation. It's coming to church mm-hmm. and you know what? Instead of coming to church, you'll just come with me. We're just going to avoid yeah. the kids area at all. School, they're just going to do online learning. <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> they're going to do online learning. Um, it could be anything. Mm-hmm. Um when I was talking through this with somebody, they're like, oh, my gosh, wow. We did these things during COVID, yeah. yep, <laughs> like to the extreme. Yeah. No wonder. No wonder. Yep. People are so messed up right now. Yeah. Because we really focus on avoiding and then also the safety part. Yeah. Well, and then she talks about how avoidance breeds more avoidance and then can generalize uh, to other situations. Right. So this avoiding of this certain situation um, then may spread to other situations. I think one context or one story that she gave was about uh, someone being fearful going to the store, but then it generalized to being fearful to go into the library. So really avoidance behaviors can just breed more avoidance. And as parents, they talk about how uh, they call them parental accommodations, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are we doing that's enforcing, reinforcing that behavioral component, so that behavioral therapy component. What are we doing that's reinforcing um, that emotional state that our son or daughter or whoever is going through? And I even, this is kind of a side tangent, but um, I even see this with with parents specifically for church and sending to camps or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, I see parents that have this anxiety to let their kids go and do these things, and so they just avoid it. But then it becomes... Well, they're not going to go to camps at church, but we're also not going to go to sleepovers. Like, yep. kids that even know their families and stuff. Yeah. Or they're not going to get to go to this birthday party because, or whatever. You know, and it keeps going on because mm-hmm. of the anxiety that we have. Yeah. This is a plug for an, another episode, The Parental Art of Letting Go. Ooh. And it deals with that stuff. Is it's, that a book? 
No, it's a podcast episode. All right. And so I encourage you to go back and listen to that one after this one. It's an art. It's an art of slowly letting our kids go. Yeah. And like, we just have to trust that God's going to take care of them. We've done our part. Yeah. And that's hard too. Um, And I I think of there's certain circumstances that, and this is once again, from a parent standpoint, why it's so important to reflect on what am I doing that's resulting in maybe this avoidance behavior? What am I doing that's resulting and feeding into this safety behavior? Um, And I think about Oliver's situation back in 20, what was it, 2019, I think it was, uh, when he had his pretty significant uh, injury, right? So he was in his medically induced coma. He fractured his larynx. Um, Really, really scary moment. Um, And as, as a parent, that's something that I have to be aware of because if I'm not aware of it, it's taken me quite a while to get to a point where I don't put up all these fences to keep them from experiencing um, the life that God wants them wants them to live, essentially. Oh, yes. uh, so I really, I really tie oh. once again. It ties to that personal. Like, no, I need to reflect. What am I? What am I doing? Um, I think of when we go to the beach or we go to the pool uh, because there was that moment of almost losing our own child. Mm-hmm. When we're at the beach, okay, well, I know the beach could result in someone drowning. Or if we're at the pool, there's a lot of people, okay, I know that could result in someone drowning. Internally, I have to recognize that so that I allow them to be able to experience life the way God intended them to. Uh, so that's been, a, that's been a real struggle as a parent yeah. uh, to step back and self-reflect and saying, am I accommodating to a point where they can't experience things? Because what can happen, um, there's an idea of co-regulating. So if I am anxious, what that may result, if I'm anxious around the pool, mm-hmm. what that may result in is that my kid's fearing and being anxious around the pool. Right. right? So it's really being aware of those type of things. Yeah. So that's avoidance. Yep. <laughs> Just that's avoiding avoidance. it. Yeah. Again, the point of this is to help your child conquer anxiety. Not yeah. to avoid it. Yep. We're going to conquer it. Yeah. The second one was safety behaviors. And so this is building your social life around the fear structure. Yep. So the perfect example I thought they gave in the book is the child has an irrational fear that Whenever they see a dog, the dog's going to bite them and kill them, rip their head off, right? And so whenever a child sees a dog, anywhere near a dog, just cannot function, mm-hmm. melts down. And so the safety factor is mom calls. There's a birthday party, and the, birth, the child has a dog in the house. And so mom calls, you know, a couple of days before, and, hey, you know, little Johnny's got, you know, is afraid of dogs and whatever. And so just wanted to call to make sure that the dog can be put away, mm-hmm. right? So you're building a safety net around your child, like a bubble yeah. <laughs> around your child and constantly being around instead of helping your child to conquer this anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. She, she also talks about um, providing um, excessive reassurance um, and how like if our, if our child is working through something and they're always asking for reassurance, yes, we want to reassure our, our children for mm-hmm. sure. But if you excessively are over providing that reassurance, once again, that that safety behavior can breed other safety behaviors, and then you have this cycle that it becomes more generalized to many different contexts right. that you have to work through. Uh, so once again, that's another that's another element of it is how do we as a parent pause pause and reflect so that we're not um, feeding into that, um, and that's hard. Once again, as a parent, you you love your child, like she said, you want them to be safe, but ultimately. We want to have our child to be resilient and Stronger. Yep. Yeah, mind flexible. Absolutely. So if you're doing those two things, stop it. 
Yeah, stop it. Just stop, and you're good. Knock it off. Yeah. Get over it. Well, oh. they actually say that, and they'll go into the whole exposure part of it, but they say that um, the person who actually uh, forwarded his book, so Dr. Tompkins talks about how um, simply stopping these two things will have a drastic improvement on where your child is. So yeah. I, I think of, once again, I'm going to relate it to my own kids. I think of Oliver. I don't like be. I personally do not like being late anywhere. And if I'm going to run late to somewhere, I start getting anxious. Like, it's a regular occurring thing. Every single morning we're getting ready. Same. I'm really anxious. I need to get where I need to get. Unfortunately, that has somewhat resulted in now Oliver having a similar response to it. So he's always looking at the clock. He's like, are we going to be late? He wants to be there 15 minutes early to not feel late. So that's, I mean, that's part of it too. It's just. I have done the same thing to <laughs> Chloe. <laughs> She's the same way. Maybe it's a firstborn thing too. Like, Oh, maybe. Yeah, could be. We're off on our firstborn yeah, children. Could be. So, yeah. So let's talk about. Okay, we're gonna stop doing that. <laughs> we're gonna stop avoiding things. Try. these safety nets. So then, what do we do to help our children? What yeah. are the practical steps that we're gonna take to help our youngs? You know, not in the moment, but like throughout the week, leading up to. We're gonna have these conversations, specific times where we sit down with our children and talk through this stuff. Um, there's a big tool called Smart Talk. Oh yeah, Smart, smart talk. talk. Yeah, it's probably <laughs> <laughs> talk smart, and we're good. Um, yeah, let me let me find that one right here for a second. Give me a second. There's kind of multiple components to it, um, and the first one was it's to identify those thinking errors, identify those red candies that are floating through their brain. Yeah, so she gives four four components to it. She does identifying those thinking errors. Errors. She talks about evaluating the evidence. Uh, generating smart talk and then practicing it. Mm -hmm. So really starting with that, identifying those thinking errors. Um, she talks about using a strategy of when you're working with your child and you're trying to identify what's the root cause of that anxiousness, right. um, using even the, if it's the think bubble. Okay, here's the think bubble. Like what, a comic book. Like a comic book. What's actually in that think bubble? But really approaching it from the, the approach of having an attitude of curiosity mm -hmm. and not in the sense of like, hey, I want to fix you. Right. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and the point of that is to really, it's to, it's to get to like, why do you why do you think this is going to happen? Yeah. Why do you think when I drop you off that I'm not going to come back? Yeah. Like, where did that start? Where is mm -hmm. that coming from? And just keep asking why, why? Well, what? Why do you think that's going to happen? Why is what's going to happen then? Yep. What do you think is going to happen then? And just try to get to the root of it as much as possible. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I thought the other two are kind of just how to do that. Yeah. Yep. And then the last one is generating smart talk is actually doing it with your child, actually talking through these things. Yeah. Um, we're, we're, when, we, we're, when we talk through these things, we want to say that that's possible, that that's going to happen. Like, I'm going to drop you off. I'm going to get hit by a car. It's, it's possible that somebody in the church is going to drive through and hit me with a car. Yeah. But it's extremely unlikely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that's that generating that smart talk, mm -hmm. trying to find... It's similar going back to when we talked about naming, having a nickname for that anxiety. Right. It's very similar in the sense of you're trying to create this repeated response, and this is this is that candy that I'm pulling out essentially, and that's that generating that smart talk. She talks about keeping it direct, keeping it simple. Mm -hmm. um, so really it's something you can fall back on almost automatically. And talking about... That it's possible, sure. Yep. It's possible, but it's extremely unlikely. And what's more likely is this will happen. Yeah. Right? And giving those, this is more likely the green candies, filling the, the mind with green candies. Yep. And then there's exposure, right? Mm -hmm. So talking about it and then actually, right, we're not avoiding, we're not shielding, we're exposing our child to this. And this is more of the, 
we're doing prep work. Yep. But exposing, um, it's putting them in the moment, right? Yeah. Yeah, so she really talks through three types of exposures. Mm-hmm. Um, but even before that, when she talks about the thinking the thinking errors, she actually frames it in five different categories, essentially. She talks about how we have the worst-case scenario will always occur type approach. Yeah. Um, we have the, uh, the thinking error of predicting negative or fearful events are going to happen, so always thinking in the future, here's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. She talks about how... Um, there's this concept of overestimating the probability of something happening as well. And then also thinking black and white, like it's always going to happen. It's never going to, you're never going to come back and pick me up. And the last one is just thinking that we can read someone else's mind. Um, so as you're working through some of those thinking errors and trying to process through it, identifying what those thinking errors are, um, it's just a nice lens to kind of look at it. Yeah. So when she goes into um, exposure, she talks about three primary ways of exposing people. Yeah. Uh, the first one is vivo, which is really done as a real life type of approach with it. Uh, so this would be, and it doesn't always have to mean in the sense of we're at the church door, we're in the mm-hmm. uh, best of you at school, or we're at the pool. It doesn't mean in that moment necessarily. Uh, you can use things such as images of it, right? So right. maybe it's we took a picture of uh, the church door, we took a picture of the pool, we took a picture of the, the plane. Whatever that um, moment is, it's really you could use that image to be able to process through it as well. To show it to them. Yep. How does this make you feel yeah. on your thermometer? You see Correct. the door. Yeah. Yep. How does it make you feel when you see this door? Yeah. I feel a seven. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so, let's talk through. Let's yep. talk through. Absolutely. And then they also talk about using um, videos as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is actually a common approach when people have like a phobia to like a certain animal, maybe mm-hmm. it's snakes or something, trying to work up to, up to that. So that's definitely uh, one approach with exposure. The other one she talks about is the, um, the imaginal type approach with it. So just really not seeing an image of it or not watching a video of it or not being in the actual moment, but just imagining, okay, I'm in that moment. What am I, your senses, what am I seeing? What am I hearing? What am I smelling? What am I tasting? Uh, what am I feeling? So mm-hmm. that's another approach with exposure. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really important to understand that exposure doesn't always mean I'm literally right there. Because right. once again, when you're right there in that moment, it's irrational. It's irrational. <laughs> it's about self regulation. Right. It's not about trying to get them to understand that. You're um, not conquering in the moment. Yeah, you're not conquering in the moment. Uh, and then the last one is just that interceptive, so that's a body uh, sensation. And this is really trying to re-simulate uh, some of those physiological responses. So we talked mm-hmm. about the heart rate one. Um, one tool we actually use in schools a lot, I don't know the exact name of it, but essentially there's like this video game type thing that the kids play, and they wear um, a, a watch that tracks their heart rate. Mm. And as they're playing and they get things wrong, if their heart rate starts increasing, mm-hmm. it like buzzes and they can recognize it. And then we try mm. to work in that moment of, okay, your heart rate's going up. What can you do to lower it? Yeah. So it's a really neat tool. And um, that's really that interceptive type type approach. Wow. That's great. Yeah. The, um, the example that, that she gives, and even before we read this book, you and I had this conversation of this is a, a good path on how to do this, yep. is the ladder approach. Yeah. So thinking of a ladder, that the top of the ladder is, example is like bringing your kid into the in, mm-hmm. into church, in the indoor. That's the top of the ladder. That's like where we're going. That's the goal of where we're, we're heading. Yep. But there's a lot of steps to get there, mm-hmm. right? And so conquering each step of the way. 
And in order to get to the top of the ladder, we may just have to focus on just accomplishing the first step. Yeah. Which so, is leaving the leaving our house. Yep. And and really recognizing what numbers associated to that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, she uses the image of a ladder. You can really use anything, steps or whatever has that uh, approach to it. She also talks about uh, really allowing the child or person who's working through it um, the say in which one they want to conquer, mm. right? Because mm-hmm. there might be a different one. Maybe just leaving the house and maybe just leaving the house and getting in the car. Those two, they actually feel pretty good about. Right. And they're like, no, it's actually when we're turning on 13th Street, right? right? So it's that part that you would want to try to target as the smart talk strategy, right? Those type of things, naming it, um, nicknaming it in those moments. So then they can process through it. Mm -hmm. Uh, When she talks about that, though, too, she also talks about how important it is that you do a a pre, essentially like you're doing a pre-evaluation or observation saying, okay, here's what we talked about, here's what we noticed, but then after reflecting on it. I think that's a big part of a lot of what she talks about is actually doing, that's where the work gets hard. Right, we it's really being consistent with it, um, in such a way that we can see the improvements with it. Right. Uh, she talks about the the importance of the exposure ladder. Is for us to think we're going to just get to the door and address it and handle it, and that's going to be really tough, mm-hmm. and you have to build up to it. And she also talks through that a lot of the children that she does therapy with rarely do they get to a point where by the time they're at that top ladder, it's no longer a seven, eight, nine, or 10, right? right? Because as they're conquering these, this becomes smaller right. in, in the big picture. She gives some really good practical, like, you know, you can't just come to church and it's going to be fixed. So if, if separation anxiety is the thing, you know, she gives the example of a ladder, at, a ladder step at home might be, she's, your child spends five minutes in a room without you and they don't know where you are, yeah. right? Yeah. And like, your kid has to go through five minutes and like practice, practice, practicing that. Mm-hmm. Um, or going to the store and say, you're gonna stand in this, you know, look at these toys. Yeah. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna go look mm-hmm. at a different aisle and I'll come back in exactly three minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's scary, right? Yeah. And like, as a parent, like you gotta know where the kid's at, but you do. it's like practicing those things, small little bits, if it's whatever the issue is. Yeah, so she gives a lot of good uh, examples around separation, anxiety. Um, but once again, the, the key part of that is it's almost like a task analysis, like to get here, here are all the steps to get mm-hmm. it. Um, and for separation, which mm-hmm. are probably some of the most common ones we see with children, um, is how do you how do you build those small wins right. that is right. going to add those green candies right. in their mind that when they're in those moments, those are the ones they're oh, pulling from. I did this yeah. and it, the worst thing didn't happen. Yeah. It was yep. okay. Yep. So social anxiety, just mm-hmm. being around other people, yep. some examples that she gives is having them order for themselves at the restaurant, mm-hmm. right? Having that conversation with somebody, yep. it seems like such a small thing, but to be able to talk to a stranger and tell them what you want and it'll go well, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Or encourage, hey, today at school, let's focus on one kid that you're going to make eye contact with that's an acquaintance and you're going to say hi to. Yep, yep. Like small steps that build and build yep. and build and build. Yep, and that's and that's very similar, right, as far as separation anxiety, social anxiety. Mm-hmm. It's once again trying to find uh, those small wins that they're going to feel confident right. and like, oh, yeah, I could over, I could conquer that one. Right. I think of um, our youngest, Etta, uh, in social situations. She kind of, she's pretty shy. Uh, we were at dinner last night and, 
they wanted to, we were at Fujiyama and they wanted to throw the shrimp in her mouth and she was just like, <laughs> and we tried to not make a big deal about it at the moment. It's like, oh, that's fine, sweetie. And she eventually did it mm-hmm. and then she felt real proud of herself. Like, right. oh, I did that. Green and candy. That, it's a like green candy in the social um, anxiety piece of it. And when you think of, uh, or social, yeah, the social anxiety, mm-hmm. and you think of being, they talk about the fear being judged negatively by others. Mm-hmm. Um, you might see this in schools uh, with academic achievement, not wanting, she talks about not wanting to raise your hand because you're fearful of how someone's going to respond if you get it wrong. Right. So trying to set it up in, in that context, mm-hmm. context as well. Uh, we had something similar with Oliver. So Oliver plays football, which is awesome. <laughs> and he's the quarterback. And he had a game coming up, and he woke up at 1.30 in the morning, just super anxious because the practice leading up to it, he was fumbling everything. Mm. Um, So he was really anxious. And when we kind of – she also talks about a strategy of using a downward arrow approach where you're trying to dig to the root cause. Mm -hmm. And when we really got to the bottom of it, it was the fear of – being judged by like his coach and the fans and thinking he let them down so it's just once again that's the root that's a smart talk yeah finding the root of really what's causing this yeah and then what we did is we used the the vivo approach where i actually pulled up uh images of it this is at like three in the morning (laughs) because i mean we prayed about it and we laid Mm -hmm. down and um he he was laying there, and then I went out, and then he came back, and I was like, okay, we have to do some more to this. We have to keep building. Right. Um, so then from there, uh, we went and we talked about it, and we talked about that soundtrack that we're playing in your head. Mm-hmm. What's your evidence you have to support that thought? Right. Um, and then we actually pulled up video clips of his game, and I'm like, did you catch that one? Yep. Did you catch that one? Yep. Did you drop that one? Green candy, green yep. candy. Green yeah, candy. so yeah. it's really trying to build build that mm-hmm. for him. So, it's good. Yeah. And that's really what it is. I mean, the scope, we just read the whole book to you. We did. We did. I <laughs> we still recommend getting it, though. It's yeah, it's so book. good. And it goes into a lot more detail. And there's actually worksheets that you can print out to help visualize, and it's very good. And so, but that's that's kind of the big ideas mm-hmm. for that. Now, my mother-in-law, Sherry, yeah. um, she found this this quote on Facebook, and um, there's a picture of, you know, of a woman kind of covering her child. And I, I thought, this is such a great, as we kind of wrap this up, kind of a great, it's not quite a poem, but like a story mm-hmm. poem to kind of talk through how, what we want for our kids when conquering anxiety. That, well, let me just read it. It says this. Well, this is Alex Cravens, whoever that smart guy is. This guy is the guy that wrote it. And here's, here's, here's what he said. He said, don't feel sorry for or fear for your child because the world they're going to grow up in is not what it used to be. God created them and called them for the exact moment in time that they're in. Their life wasn't a coincidence or an accident. Raise them up to know the power they walk in as a child of God. Train them up in the authority of his word. Teach them to walk in faith, knowing that God is in control. Empower them to know that they can change the world. Don't teach them to be fearful and disheartened by the state of the world, but hopeful that they can do something about it. Every person in all of history has been placed in the time that they were in because of God's sovereign plan. Ooh, yeah. so good. Yeah, that's powerful. He knew Daniel could handle the lion's den. He knew David could handle Goliath. He knew Esther could handle Haman. He knew Peter could handle persecution. Pause. Think about Peter's mom. <laughs> like, <laughs> right? I don't know if she was still alive or not when he was, like, getting beaten and killed for being yeah. a Christian. Mm-hmm. I don't want my kids to go through that. Yeah. Right? I'm sure Peter's mom didn't want to either. But back to this. God knew that Peter could handle persecution. He knows that you are a child can handle whatever challenge they face in their life. He created them specifically for it. 
Don't be scared for your children, but be honored that God chose you to parent the generation that is facing the biggest challenges of our lifetime. Yeah. <sighs> Feeling it, man. Thinking about my kids. Man, rise up to the challenge. Raise Daniel's, David's, Esther's, and Peter's. God isn't scratching his head wondering, what is he going to do with this mess of a world? He has an army he's raising up to drive back the darkness and to make him known all over the earth. Don't let your fear, your fear steal the greatness God has placed in them. Oh, Safety damn. and avoidance. Yeah, that, that, that right there. I know it's hard to imagine them as anything besides our sweet little babies. My, my old four-month-old Cohen. And we just want to protect them from anything that could ever happen and that's hard on them. <clears throat> but they were born for such a time as this. Mm. So, you've gotten the tools. You've got a mighty God that loves your, loves your children, <clears throat> loves your family, and he wants to help your child conquer their anxiety. He doesn't want them to live with it. He created them with fear, but it's not supposed to control their life. It's just to, supposed to help protect them. Mm-hmm. So with that, thanks so much, Martine. Yeah, absolutely, appreciate it. We'd love to pray with you, for you, pray a blessing over your families and pray that if you're really going through this, the Lord would give you wisdom. Listen to this again and again and again. Get the book, read the word, memorize those scriptures. Um, Let's pray that the Lord will help you conquer this anxiety in your child's life. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you that we've gotten to talk about this. Thank you for the wisdom um, of others. Thank you for your word and the wisdom that it gives us. Lord, we pray for the families that their children are struggling with this, that they are just crippled by anxiety. It has caused such a mess for their family, and it's heartbreaking. Lord, I pray that, and the things that we've talked about, um, through your power, through your supernatural peace, I pray that these children would be conquerors. Lord, we believe that you created created them for such a time as this and that you don't want them. Your plan for their life is not to be stuck, but it's to be set free, to be bold, to be world changers. So we pray that that would happen, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you for helping us, even in our mess, that you're with us. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Cool. Thank you so much again for checking this podcast out. I hope this was helpful to you and your family. Thanks again, Martine. You're just so awesome, man. You're the best. Thanks. I enjoyed it. It was <laughs> fun. Hey, I want to encourage you. If this was helpful, uh, please share this with other people that you think this would be helpful too. Whether they believe that Jesus is Lord or not, um, there's some very practical things in here that there can is. be very helpful. Um, yeah, we're rooting for you. We're believing that the best is yet to come and that, man, God is going to empower you to help raise thriving kids that have a thriving relationship with Jesus. All right, we'll catch you on the next next episode. Hasta luego and goodbye.